Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division Three coaches, some great high school fo- football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, so please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. It's something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. Hello, coaches, and welcome to the Home Team Podcast, where football coaches from around the country provide the coaching community with improvements to their game plans for winning as a husband and a father. Today, we have the honor of speaking to Coach Matt Jones. Coach Jones is the run game coordinator, tight ends, and tackles coach at University of Tennessee Martin. Coach also helped kind of start the Lyman Lunch, for those of you that are familiar with that on Twitter, by posting clips from around the country, mainly in the NFL, showing highlighting offensive linemen. For Coach went to UT Martin. He spent two seasons on staff at Texas Southern, where he was the offensive line coach. Prior to that, he also worked at Jackson State under the same capacity. Coach has also worked at his alma mater, Eastern Illinois, as a a student assistant, coached at the high school level, and then also coached at Villanova and Tulane. I found it really amazing. Coach Jones just has such a great beat on what's important in his life and, and how he raises his son and, and the values that he has. Really interesting to hear during this time, just kind of how they're they're managing to, you know, they actually still have players on campus and still getting a chance to, to help those guys. So um, really a great chat. I really appreciate all of his insights and his willingness to, you know, speak on this podcast. So without further ado, Coach Matt Jones from the University of Tennessee, Martin. Coach Jones, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Let's jump right in and start talking about the stars of your home team, beginning with your wife. And how did you meet this special woman? Well, my wife is Becky Jones. She's the former Becky Gorthy. So we met at work. She was an athletic trainer at Avila University, and I was the O-line run game coordinator. So work romance. They tell you not to do it, but I know more guys that got married out of that than Actually, the guy I GA'd for <laughs> married a graduate, or not a graduate, just an uh, athletic trainer, as well as our defense coordinator here. So that's how we met in Kansas City, Missouri, coaching NAI football. 
Kitty up. Yeah. What's a character trait and or quality that makes her so special to you? Well, she is a Navy brat. So she's lived all throughout the country and she's resilient. So in terms of keeping a level head in adverse situations, you know, you lose a job or you got to, you know, move or new adventures, whatever the case may be, maybe a, a, a poor stretch of the season or even the highs and lows of the season, you know, she's my sounding board. She's my rock in terms of keeping me uh the family afloat now, it was just us. We got a two-year-old, AJ, keeping him in check and keeping me level-headed and, you know, not too high, not too low. But the fact that she has lived everywhere, you know, Navy bases and it's definitely what you want in a coach's wife. You know, she's used to traveling. She's used to boxing stuff up and, and moving on to the next adventure. So, but definitely her, her level-headedness and her ability to just keep me focus on the task at hand, not too high, not too low. Let's talk about AJ a little bit. You say he's two years old. What makes him so unique or special to you? Well, I mean, I, I don't know how many guys say it, but I've always wanted to be a dad. Like, I, if, if there's a Hall of Fame, I think all football coaches want to be in the Hall of Fame or, you know, be the best of their ability. I want to be a great dad, you know. So it's – he's so special to me because, I mean, he's mine. Everything that he does is a reflection of me and our family. You know, so whether it be his learning the alphabet now or learning his colors or saying, yes, sir, thank you, or saying grace before dinner, like that's a direct reflection of me and Becky and our family. And, you know, rarely in life do you have something that genuinely reflects you. And, I mean, the number one thing is having a child. You know, he's what I look forward to coming home and playing with him and, you know, tackling him and doing WWF moves. And all that stuff. I mean, it's blast. It makes it makes you young. I know he's two, but he's he's solid. We ain't doing the high moves, no, the big moves. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's the best thing that's ever happened. I mean, my wife, of course, but uh, just the love, the unconditional love that a child has for his parents. You know, it's it's remarkable. It's something you, you can't put a measuring stick on. Did you guys have to, you know, some guys talked about like planning, oh man, we wanted to wait till a certain time. Was there any considerations into that or was it just, hey, whenever it happens, it happens? No, I mean, we're, I'm Catholic, so usually you get married and you get started. So, right. <laughs> um, as as, yes, yeah, we, uh, I mean, luckily, so it was kind of a unique deal. He, he was, you know, we, we got pregnant when I was still living in Jackson, Mississippi, and then we had to manage a move with a pregnant wife to Houston, Texas. And then he was born two days after our last game in the 2017 season, you know? So that was, yeah. I mean, you got a new job, you're working in a new place, you're doing a move. The wife is me, our nurse now. She's no longer an athletic trainer. So, so she, she had to get a new job. She had to manage, you know, being pregnant and still working and all that stuff. So yeah, it was, and then, you know, you got to find daycare, all that stuff. Right. So. Yeah, no doubt that's a challenge. Right. Next, we're moving to a section called We Make the Call and discuss how your family has navigated some of the important decisions throughout your career. Obviously, you mentioned you met your wife while you were a coach and she was a trainer, but how are those negotiations with your wife about, hey, I'm going to continue on this career path and, and any, any bumps in the road on that in terms of that decision? So we're solid, and I think, you know, when when it's – 
when you know you got the one, you got the one. So when I left Avila in 2012, I went to Philadelphia to Villanova University, and she stayed back. So she was an athletic trainer, and she stayed back to transition into this nursing deal. So she actually lived with her family, who is now, you know, her most of her family is from Kansas City. So she lived with her family and did a one-year intensive um you know, nursing course to be able to get a nursing degree. She had all the prerequisites that you'd have, all the health sciences, all that stuff through the athletic training. But so we actually dated for about four and a half months, five months. And then it was, I think we saw each other 23 days in 2013. And I said, I gotta, I got, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked every day and, you know, right. FaceTime and all that stuff, but you know, I knew she was the one and, you know, we made a long distance thing work. And I think that showed my commitment to her and her commitment to me. And, you know, she was, even when I get to see her, she was so um, involved in that, you know, intensive, you know, 12 hour day nursing school uh, between, you know, her having to go to the hospital, her having to go to class. I mean, she, I think she forgot who I was half the time. She was so, sure. uh, had such a singular focus on that stuff. So yeah, she, uh, she lived there and I lived away and I said, you know, as soon as I can at the time, I was still trying to get, you know, a division one graduate assistant job. I said, if I get a job, you know, we're going to move, we're going to live together. And, you know, I was at going over for one year. I had the opportunity to get a graduate assistantship at Tulane university. And I drove from Philadelphia to Kansas city in a snowstorm in January. And, picked up her and we drove to the hot muggy <laughs> streets in New Orleans mm-hmm. and Tulane University and started our, sure. you know, you know, see if this thing's going to work. Sure. So you had some moves together, you know, some jobs I'm sure maybe you've taken by choice, other jobs you've, you know, you've had to, to you've been like, oh, and had to refine, but how do you maybe go through your, you know, your job career and talk about how you guys have evaluated the next decisions together? Or maybe there weren't wasn't a lot of collaborative process, and how you navigated those different choices of where to where the next job was going to be. Right, I mean, we we make all decisions as a household now, you know, especially now that we have a son. So like when she, we were pregnant, we we're at Jackson State, and we had the opportunity to go to Texas Southern to work with you know friends in the profession that we we're close with, and you know Mike Haywood, who you know. So what Mike did was he took Becky on the interview. You know, we I interviewed and did the football stuff. And, you know, Becky was there while we were interviewing. We'd go out to dinner at night. It was about two days. And he wanted to make sure the whole family fit, you know. Yeah. Um, so that kind of sealed that deal. She got recruited. And, you know, she enjoyed <laughs> it. And, and then after our two years at Texas Southern didn't go the way we'd like, you know, you had to find the next job. So it was, all right, where can we go to keep the train rolling? And Jason Simpson was another family man, a guy that said, Hey, come here. Who already had an offensive line coach, great offensive line coach and Kevin Bannon said, Hey, I'd be even willing to split the lineup and you guys work together. You know, is that something you're interested in? And I had experience in the OVC. I went to Eastern Illinois. So I said, yeah, let's go. I mean, right now I'm on the couch and, Right. Looking at your phone and football scoop, and you're trying to find you know a job because you're out, you know. And, and it's not. I mean, it's always everyone's got a part to to blame in it, but you know when yep. uh, 
they don't renew a head coach's contract and all his assistants are out, it's not necessarily your fault, but you're still looking, you know. So we we went through that, you know, with a one-year-old son at the time. Had to face, like a lot of guys in this profession, I ain't the only one, I won't be the last, you know, and had to face those decisions and mm-hmm. we prayed about it and we made the decisions as a family. And, you know, if stuff arises, we'll always – we'll always do that, you know, together. It has to be the right fit for our family. You know, you can't put a price on, like here I get to, you know, if AJ ever has an appointment or anything that we need to do, you know, Coach Simpson, again, you're working for a family man, and it's hard to find that out in interviews, but, you know, Coach Simpson's never bad an eye. Hey, hey, you know, go be with your family, go take care of it, you know, or, hey, we can work a schedule around it. And it's been that way. And it's hard to find a lot of times in this profession, you know, that incorporate the family. So we're blessed. And the city of Martin, where we live now, uh, is a small community. Everyone knows each other. Like our male lady is also our, her daughters are also our babysitters, you know, when (laughs) she's not in daycare, you know, it's everyone knows. And it's the best thing about it. Everyone wants to see you succeed and wants to help you. And it's, it's the beauty of, you know, a smaller town that everyone in the community truly cares. So, you know, we've been blessed in that decision. Um, and a lot of it, we put a lot of faith in God. I mean, we pray, we pray as a family. And, um, you know, we know he's got the right course for us. And But, th- yeah, those those decisions get challenging. You know, you look at the next, you know, another opportunity that could have come. You know, you, you yeah. do your research on it, and you do your research on the head coach. and do the research on the schools that you'd be living in and, you know, your kind of finances and all that. You say, is it really better than what I have right now? Um, mm-hmm. Will we be as happy? Will we get to see uh, as much as each other, you know, all those things and you kind of weigh all those variables and are you closer to your extended family? You know, uh, flights get expensive when you're, when you're living across the country and your family's out of Chicago and Kansas city, you know, so right the fact that like right now in our situation, it's a six and a half hour drive to Chicago. It's a seven hour, seven and a half hour drive to Kansas city. You know, we saw our right. family more this last calendar year than we have probably the last five combined. Awesome. It's so it's, there's nothing, you can't put a price on that stuff. You know, it's, it's huge. You mentioned your coach being, you know, understanding of you guys in an appointment or whatever the case may be. You said it's a rarity. Why do you think that is for head coaches to to grant those sort of things to their to their their assistants? Well, I just think the stress of the profession. I mean, everyone's trying to get the competitive advantage. Everyone, you know, you're you're either working with the guys you have or working with the guys you're going to have. You know, you're either recruiting or you know you're working with the players you have on campus. And there's so much time that needs to be invested to to do that. You know, but if you're not mm-hmm in a good state of mind because you're worried about, okay, is my son going to get picked up on time at daycare? You know, do we have this situation where the home is, you know, squared away? Then you're probably not going to do a great job where you're at, you know. It's just everyone's got their own leadership styles. Everyone's got different ways to run their companies or, you know, their football business. And and I shouldn't say, I mean, you hear stories. I've been fortunate enough to know many guys that – that puts you in those binds, like, hey, we're going to need you here. Right. You know, you can't go do that. Um, or or even you, know, you find sometimes someone will say, yeah, you can, but, you know, we'll just be here working. And you're like, all uh, right, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. You know, and it happens. Yeah, it happens. I mean, <laughs> that's a truth. Yep. 
uh, the, the other side of the profession, you know, but right. so a lot of it's probably stress. Everyone wants to win. You know, everyone's, it comes harder and harder to stay at a place for a longer, you know, longer and longer because of the mm-hmm. stress of winning, you know? Yeah. No doubt. You know, your son's only two, but consistency and discipline is a big thing in parenting. You know, with being as part as much as you are, how do you and your wife communicate and deal with the discipline issues uh, with your kid? Yeah, so we always make sure we're on the same page. Like, even if I disagree or she disagrees with me, like how we're going to handle a situation, we have each other's back and then we'll reassess. Now, you know, my biggest thing is I don't ever want to say anything like if mom says no cookie or mom says no screen time, yep. I can't be the good guy in that situation. You know, <laughs> I'm his father, not his friend. I mean, he's right. going to learn that there's no no spot he can really run to in terms of trying to get what he wants when that's not what's best for him. You know, we're the adults in the scenario. So um, we talk about it. We talk about it all the time. Like, hey, you know is he watching too much TV or is he, you know, um, how do we handle this situation? Because like a two-year-old, like a two-year-old wants to fight or doesn't know how to control his emotions. So sometimes, uh, like sometimes he'll get mad at me when he's overtired and, you know, uh, start swinging at me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> but, you know, but that's what a two-year-old does. They don't know how to express yeah. their feelings. You know, he's trying to put together a sentence, you know, right. so, you can't get mad at him about it, but you got to talk to him. You got to, and we're on the same page about it. Like he, I mean, he can bash me in the nose, and I mean, he's not going to go on timeout. We're going to talk to him about, hey, this that's not right. Here's how you express yourself, and you're trying yeah. to just get repetitive habits so it gets ingrained in them. No different than coaching. You know, that's why you do drills. Yeah. I mean, you get drill discipline. Right. I love it. The the third series of questions we'll call clock management and how you spend your time to blend family and football. Uh, You have moved a couple times. Maybe give the coaches that are facing a move one recommendation you have about moving and one thing you should probably avoid to make the process go easier. Definitely avoid the processes. uh, Have a a really solid game plan. Okay, the truck is going to be here at 9. Okay, all the guys are going to help me are going to be over here at 10. The the boxes are already loaded. Nobody has to um nobody has to box anything. Everything's all set up. You're prepared for the event, okay? But you also have to have just like sudden change. You got to be willing to roll with punches. <laughs> all right, you all didn't have the truck. What do we do? Okay? Well, here's what we got to get done. Yada yada yada. And then the key is just having a level head. Like if you're stressed out, as you know the partner of your wife i mean she's going to feed off that and and it's complete chaos you know someone's going to carry the load of stress i try to always make it me because i'm used to it and try to be the level-headed guy when she's worried about okay will this be set up will the movers be here by this time yada yada yada. um so you can't have two you know and there does have to be a head coach i because I'm never going to – I picked the place we lived at Tulane, and it was okay. close to the facility, okay, and I will never for the rest of my life hear the end of it. So I will never pick <laughs> – I'll have some say, but I'll never have the final judgment of where we live. That is Becky Jones 1,000%, okay, and I hope you're listening, honey. Um, <laughs> I mean, like stuff like that, like you got to give up some stuff. you got to make sure that the whole family's involved. And to be honest with you – 
her and your children, if you have them, they're going to be in that house more than you are. You're going to be on the road recruiting. You're going to be on, you know, is it close to the schools? Is it close to, if you got to drive five more minutes to the office to have a, uh, maybe a bigger house for the finances that you have because it's a little bit further away from a certain location, whether it's, you know, closer to certain activities that your children or your wife would like. Like if you can make those concessions because you're going to go there and, I mean, yeah, it's not like we work every single day, 24 hours a day, but they're going to be there more than you. You know, they're living normal, I'd call it civilian lives. You're not. I mean, you're on a crazy time schedule on the calendar so um when you can concede to some of that stuff i mean that's it makes the the whole situation even better you know that's awesome that's great advice (laughs) you said i'll never hear the end of it (laughs) we've all made those decisions that we're never gonna hear remember that remember that shoebox we were living in (laughs) it's what we could afford but it was also the closest thing that we could afford to the office i walked to the office i I didn't even need a car. I walked every day to the office. And if it rained, I got an umbrella. <laughs> got to do what you got to do, man. <laughs> right. You know, the long hours you had, obviously your son was one years old uh, last year, last season. What were things you did to stay engaged in his life during the season? Well, he was he, he actually became two while we were here in Martin over this, oh, okay. over this course this year. So, but um, we make sure that any free time, we are outside doing as much as we can. So, like, there is a, uh, I don't want to say a jungle gym, but a uh, a uh, gymnastic field. Yeah, there's, like, a oh, gymnastic okay. building here, and they do toddler time every Saturday at, like, 9 o'clock. And it's for an hour, and it's, like, 5 bucks to get in, and he gets a run around. And, you know, jump on stuff and knock stuff over. I mean, half the time I think he's, like, tackling all their, you know, their pads. Yep. But we're going to make sure we do that stuff. We're going to try to make it as much about him and giving those experiences of the family. Because those are times, like, when you look back in your childhood, like, remember when the whole family went to this spot or we used to do this every Saturday? Like, that's what I want him to have. No, he's two. He's probably never going to remember it, but – uh, we try to do as much of that as possible, you know, as much as those little let's go to the park once a week, you know, try to have a goals in mind of what we do. But um, because of our practice structure here, I go home. So we break practice and we got about an hour and a half till we come back and watch the film. I go okay. home and I eat as fast as I can because it's his bedtime. And I'll read him sure. two books every night. Like oh, man, now awesome. he might not be ready to go to he might not go be ready to go to sleep at a time. Yep. I gotta leave to go back. I mean still have responsibility, but I don't want anyone else raising my son. I, and not, not my wife, of course, but like I don't want him right. learning how to read from just school or just daycare or just when his parents his grandparents come in and read to him. Like I I'm every it's like structured. We got a routine, okay? Every night you're going to get two books. We're going to go through our dad routine. And then if he's ready to go to sleep, I put him down. And, you know, the wife's real happy. Um, if not, you got to go back to work and you're leaving a half, you know, half a sleep child, which is sometimes the worst thing. Um, right. But yeah, I try to do that as much as, as much as possible. Um, so that might mean he had to go down a little bit earlier uh, for the night. He's two. So you know, he's going to go to bed early anyways, sure. but just trying to keep him as, structured 
as possible, you know, but those things like if I got to eat in the meeting while we're watching the film, just to grab the food back, just so I got 10 more minutes with the boy before he went to bed, I'm going to do that. I mean, you can eat whenever, you know, he's never going to have, he's never going to be two again, you know, so I'm going to make sure he's got a book and he's got some time with his dad. Every, every opportunity he gets. Awesome. And the same with your wife, how, you know, a lot of guys say, oh, we go out to dinner on Thursdays. And I think that's pretty common for most guys, you know, but what are things that you, you and your wife do to stay connected and help grow your marriage, especially during the season? Well, we don't eat out much because I cook so, <laughs> I cook so much. Yeah. We, we um, see, we see all the accolades of the cooking on Twitter. So, you know, so we know she married up yeah. in that sense. <laughs> well, she can cook too now. Don't, don't. <laughs> she can throw it on. But um All right. Yeah, so so Thursdays, like those, you know, quote unquote the coaches date night stuff, we usually yeah. try to pick and we try so we try to have as much time together where it's not talking about football. You know, that is okay. a huge part of our life. Okay, but we also have to be you gotta find some normalcy and stuff. So um, you know, we will pick a show like when we first started dating, it was Sons of Anarchy. Like we okay. were watching, you know, that was our deal. Like we're gonna sit there on the couch, we're gonna watch. Right. You know, it could have been aired that night, or you know, we we taped it. And it was from a couple nights ago, but we're gonna make sure we watch that together. Like we find a show, and that becomes our thing, and then you know we talk about it. Like what do you think is gonna happen? Uh, you know, the next. No different than any other couple out there. Um, uh, we do like home games anytime you kind of have the ability to either like not stay at the hotel and stay at home or on the road. If, uh, if they can come and just stay in the hotel room and we can kind of keep it like normal family, even the night before, like I'm for that, you know? Yeah. So there's some, there's some, our league isn't too far apart. So during the year, like if I can get, you know, another Friday night with my wife and kid I'm talking yeah. after meetings, still had my responsibility, you know, but if there's uh, a hotel, uh, the, the hotel situation allows for it, you got, you know, enough rooms and everyone's got all that. Um, I try to do that. And then we'll, you know, I, we're blessed enough to be able to drive home after the games with our family. Um, okay. So I try after the game, wins or loss. Luckily we had more wins last year than losses um, to try to, you know, decompress a little bit i'll probably be quiet for the first 10 15 minutes of uh the drive and then we just start talking about life you know who's coming to the game next week what do we got going on this week kind of preparing ahead that kind of deal but um we know we all know football is a major part of our life yeah that's that's on that's what we signed up for but if we can find stuff just outside of that i think sometimes helps you know but I mean, one of our shows was watching Hard Knocks. Like she thought that was the coolest show out there, you know. That was <laughs> so, uh, you know, she'd laugh at coaches and you know all that kind of stuff. And her being an athletic trainer, she was indoctrinated into athletics. Like she knows yes. the hours you put in and the type of player personalities you have to kind of manage and all that stuff. So yeah. she gets it. Yeah. It's a unique deal. That's cool. As a coach, you know, how do you and your staff work to prevent chasing ghosts, 
especially during the week, uh, to prevent probably unnecessary planning where maybe you're just staying in the office too long? Or how do you guys kind of handle that? Right. Um, I don't know. I think most of the guys are so mature. Most of the guys, like, we have the ability to express our opinions here. Some places, you know, it's there's going to be a directive, and everyone follows the directive uh, blindly. You know, like with Coach Simpson here, it's, okay, let's work on the stuff that's important. If anyone has something to say about another way of doing it better, you know, another way of, um, you know, uh, making our program more efficient, like he's all for that, you know. So okay. uh, if you have – if there's – say there's a formation you really like, but you only got one play out of it, and you're trying to do all this, this, and this, like if you really sit down and say, hey, you know, I think – maybe some of this practice time would be better served working on some of our base. I mean, he's all for it. He's it's yeah, I get it. You know, it's one deal, but only one guy got out of there and that corner might've fell down, you know, whatever it is, right. you know, a lot of times you start seeing touchdowns on Thursday that weren't there on Saturday, on Sunday and Monday of your game plan. And not to say <laughs> that's not a bad thing, but um, that's so true. <laughs> you, can, you can end up, you can end up, and and sometimes you do you find those things later in the week. You I mean you yeah. truly study your eyes are glued on those people and those the how their alignments are and all that stuff. But I mean you can make this as tedious and as long if you don't have a structured program like we have a very structured program here. So you don't need to do a lot of you know unnecessary work. You know I think anytime you run efficiently, it's hard to be a head coach here for 15 going on its 15th season and not have things pretty darn efficient, you know? I was going to say, yeah, that's pretty – you got to pretty wired at that point. <laughs> right, right. All right, let's, let's – I'm going to deviate from the script a little bit because I personally want to talk to you about this. You, you you started the Lyman Lunch on Twitter a number of years back. Just tell our listeners kind of what your thought process was on getting that started and kind of where it's taken off from now and, and how you've seen it develop. Right, so uh, it's a fun story. So basically – when I was at Tulane, uh, I was a graduate assistant in the springtime uh, when Coach McDonnell, the guy I GA'd for, was on the road. You know, we try to have as many online, you know, little film sessions as we can. So uh, we kind of schedule them around the lunchtime. We go in there and watch tape, watch tape, watch tape. Well, Curtis Johnson was – and we ended up watching, like, our cut-ups from the previous years or one-on-one film maybe you didn't get to watch during the season and all that kind of stuff. But after a point, you kind of run out of film to watch. and uh, every player thinks he and wants to play in the NFL for the most part. So Coach CJ, Curtis Johnson, our head coach, NFL guy, he's back with the New Orleans Saints. He gave us all projects, you know, and kind of geared up by our offense coordinator, Eric Price. He kind of told us what exactly we were looking for and what projects each guy was going to do. And it's kind of like an off-season study, you know, what's the best, what are teams past concept-wise running in the red zone? Or like a couple of mine were like short yardage or like, new wrinkles to zone runs, you know, and you're buzzing through all this tape. Well, I always said if I had the time and the resource all this tape, I'd always make a film library of, you know, great blocks, you know, great base blocks, sure. double teams. So you have basically a visual representation of when you're coaching something, you say, hey, this is what I'm trying to get you guys to understand. Here's a here's a the Hall of Fame of the deuce block. You know, this is – Sure. Here's the reason why it's successful, and this is what I'm looking to get accomplished. Even though it's not your guys' plan, they can still learn from, you know, maybe one or two guys on the line. Well, as you're, 
is you're buzzing through that tape. You see guys, you see, it, and it might just be a, it could be a negative run play, but you see the left tackle do his job to, you know, the upteenth degree, and it's perfect. And so you just tag it and you start building library. Well, uh, because Tulane was a high academic institution, as the spring kind of went on, guys had to, you know, really buckle down on their grades, and the meetings got less and less. So eventually, in our little group chat, I would send them like kind of like the block of the day. Like here's some stuff to look okay. at, um, with some coaching points on there, but just a, a small little clip to yep. kind of get a coaching point across. Well, eventually, the guys asked us asked me to put it on my uh, social media so they can kind of reference it and go back to it, so they weren't just uh, saving data on their phone. I started posting it, and originally I posted it on Facebook under like my own personal, you know normal Facebook page and I was getting like friend requests from people all over the world. Like it was share and all that stuff. So I'm like, I need to go put this on something else. So then I put it on Twitter and that's kind of when all this stuff, I didn't really wasn't versed in the Twitter world. Like when I first put it on there, I think I had like 300 followers Okay. or whatever that, you know, the people that, you know, like your stuff Yep. and I put it out there and then it's kind of just gone from there. And then, over the years, it's been great, but going back to the home team, okay, you get married, you go through uh, maybe a change in responsibility on the staff. You know, as GAs, you have no time, but you have a lot of time. You know, <laughs> you got to do a million different things, but it's like you find time to do other things too, you know, and that's kind of what I was doing as a graduate assistant. So um, it kind of has gone up and down. There's parts of the year. Now we've got the – Corona quarantines and all that stuff. You got more time to watch film and more time right. to do some other stuff. Uh, you can you can do more of those videos. I know, like when I was getting married, I didn't really put a lot of them out. When I was moving, I didn't put a lot of them out. Like right now, I've got a little time. I'm putting more of them out. So it kind of come and goes, you know, with kind of what's going on in your life. Yeah. Well, like you said, you got to be smart about what you're doing. I mean, nothing can obviously take away from job performance, right? That's probably the number one thing. You know, you oh, don't yeah. want to see. Students. Yeah, right. But, you know, it's a function type thing. Yeah. Has, has anyone, I mean, it's hard to really know your reach. I mean, I, I love this stuff. I mean, I think it's, you know, full oh, flat sure. hat. Like, there, There's so much the cool things that you've been able to put out there for guys. Has there been any, like, maybe moments where you're like, God, I'm really glad I did this? Like, if, if people reached out and said, man, if, or is it just kind of you know based on the on the number of likes and retweets that you kind of see that you're adding value? Well, I don't – so the thing is, like, I don't have – I don't even put, like, the notifications on my phone. Like, I don't – unless someone, like, messaged me about something, I just put it out there and kind of walk away. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't – I kind of use it just as just a teaching tool. It's like, I mean, now you go on Twitter and it's like an online clinic every day. You can follow a bunch of people and learn things. And it's, I think it's your job as a coach or a fan of football or whatever you do is to disseminate the stuff that's real and what's fake or just some of the stuff that you believe in and can teach. Like some of the stuff I put on there, I've never coached before, but I understand the philosophy of it. And, um, I would not necessarily ask players that I coach to be able to do it because maybe they can't. A lot of this stuff's NFL stuff, so it's not like, uh, you know, I'm coaching those guys either. And it's not like I'm trying to take credit for any of those guys. It's just an explanation of skills and, and blocking patterns and all that. But, no, it's in, in kind of brutal honesty, yes, I've met a lot of people from doing that stuff, but also 
I've met people that say, oh, you're the lineman lunch guy. And it's like, that's totally not me. You know, I don't want to be known as, hey, you're the, you're the guy that's, you know, doing all that. No, I'm Matt Jones and I coach at Tennessee Martin. If you want to come by and talk ball, let's go, you know. No doubt. So it's, I mean, in, in brutal honesty, because I'm not, I'm a, I'm a typical line guy. I don't, I mean, you, you don't get coaching online for fame and glory, you know, right? Because you know you like to work and you're good with those guys. So yeah, um, you know, I, it's it's I mean, full disclosure. I mean, it's been a good thing. I'm not discrediting what I've done, but I mean, there's a bunch of guys that do it now, and it's all good stuff, and it's helping the profession, helping the you know, just football in general, putting out good stuff out sure. there. I agree. We'll move on to our final set of questions and call prevent defense, helping to provide some bigger picture things that can help or can prevent a coach from losing what's most important. If you're able to, can you share a struggle you've had to overcome as a family during your career and what lessons other coaches could learn from it? Or maybe someone you've seen had to overcome a struggle? Yeah, I, I personally, I mean, again, just being fully open on it, just bringing work home with you. You had a bad day, a kid didn't pass the test and you're worried about his eligibility, you lost the game. Like, it's so easy to come home and just be the grump dad, you know, or a grump husband or, you know, just a pain in the ass to even live around. Um, yeah. And it's hard. It's hard not to because once the season goes, like even my wife will say, like, you go into coach mode. You know, you start yeah. talking louder at the dinner table. You're more directed. And I'm like, I don't mean to. You're just wired that way. You're around these guys, and you're demanding their attention and respect, and you're educating them and the culture of coaching and all that stuff. But it's so easy to bring those those moments that aren't as great home with you, you know, and it can compile. You can turn one bad situation into a worse one in a hurry. So I've learned to just take before I hit the threshold, of the door and I'm not perfect at it, you know, uh, before I come home from work, I take a deep breath and I try to, I mean, decompress and, you know, I don't want to say like be a different guy, but know that, okay, I got to be a good dad. I got to be a good husband. I can't let us giving up a sack affect right. me reading the book to my son tonight, you know, right. and that's hard. It's hard. Cause it's, it's your lifeblood. It's what you're doing. It's your, we're all competitors. We're all really want to be successful. It's genuinely hard not to do that, you know, but if you focus on it, just like anything, if you train yourself, you, you can get better at it. And I'm by no means perfect, but I don't want, I, I would never, I'd fear that my son, if we lost a big game, would not want to talk to me. Like, Oh, dad's going to be a grump, you know? Sure. Um, I'm a father first. I'm a husband first. You know, you can't let that uh, fly into your home life like that because it can be a bomb that you don't even realize that goes off one day, you know. So, yeah, that's the biggest advice I can say is try to keep it, you know, even though we all, all are intertwined, our wives and our kids and all the coaches in the office and all that, we're all intertwined. Uh, you know, don't let it, don't let it affect the home. Okay. It's great advice. Do you view modeling good parenting and being a good spouse as something that is important to the development of your players? Yeah, I definitely think we're role models as coaches and being a good guy is, I mean, you think about it, like coaching offensive line, you got 15 to 20 guys in that room. Um, 
that are looking up to you. You know, they're looking at you for um, how to be a better football player, but also advice on how to be a better person. And if you're living from, uh, if you're leading from the front and showing them by example that you're a good father and you're a good husband, like I love, and I'm sure you've seen it on social media, I like I love having my guys over and feeding them. And it's not for the fact that they get to have some pizza or anything. It's more of I want them to see, um, you know, me interact with my son, me interact with my wife, um, them get a chance to interact with both those two, um, to realize that it is, yes, football's brought us together, but the family part, you know, whether it's on a football team or in the household, in your own personal house, that's – just as important, um, probably more important, you know, because w- when you're winning both of those, you're probably going to win on the football field. So, um, like, I know the fact that I've been a father for the last, you know, 27 months, I think it is now, you know, two years, AJ's two, uh, has made me a better coach because now I look at that child that I'm coaching, and he's 18, he's a man now, but I look at him as if he's my son. Okay, what kind of leader would I be? What kind of role model would I be? What kind of father would I be? Um, if I'm not treating him, you know, with the utmost respect, still being hard on him, but not being their friend. Like I said earlier in the podcast, like I'm going to be their father, not their friend. Well, I'm going to be their coach, not their friend. doesn't mean that we can't have a friendship. But when you want to stray away from the pack, if I'm your friend, I'm going to let you. If I'm your father or if I'm your coach, I'm going to reel you back in because I'm the adult here. I'm the one that knows what's best for you, um, even though you may not see it at the time. So, yeah, I, I think they definitely correlate, you know, being a good husband, being a good father, um, I think even makes you a better football coach, in, in, you know, full honesty. Coach, I'm, I'm going to bump ahead to the last question. It's what I call victory formation. Uh, it's a little bit long, but I think it's a good one. When the outside world looks at a coach, they will often get judged by the wins and losses or the accomplishments of their players. Um, but the legacy a coach can have on his players and his family is much more lasting than anything that can be measured. What legacy or impact are you striving to create through coaching that you couldn't do in any other profession? Well, yeah, it's the last kind of venue, you know, football especially, where um, you can really teach – create a culture and create an atmosphere of leadership, doing the right thing, battling through adversity, following following your goals and dreams, working towards those goals and dreams, not getting handouts, not having anyone else do it for you. Um, you know, football is a, a unique deal because you got all these guys and everyone wants to be the alpha on their team, the alpha on their unit, the alpha in the league, um, and you're trying to teach them how to be a good person, how to be a good football player. So, yeah, it's uh, – you can win a lot of games a bunch of different ways. Um, you know, it would be an interesting set to see, you know, heaven forbid I was dead and gone, how many players would come, you know, to the funeral because I helped them in life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not because we won championships together and we got trophies and we had all those great times. Yeah, those are great. Those are awesome. That's what we're here for. I get it. But how many guys got the trophy of I learned how to – when I lost my job and I was a father – I learned how to pick myself up and provide and still be the great man that I learned from football um, that maybe, you know, he could say, you taught me coach that, I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest championship, the biggest reward, the biggest, um, 
thing. And if you're in the profession for the right reasons, I think that's what you're you're ultimately trying to do is affect these young men's lives for the rest of their life. You know, um, so that that's that is the victory formation, I guess, is uh, mm. trying to make sure these guys are are you know just great citizens and, and great people, um, and follow the hopes and dreams that they got you know, athletically and spiritually and academically and all those things, you know. Awesome, Coach. Well, I really appreciate your time. It's been wonderful to talk with you. Uh, hope that you guys are managing the situation that's, you know, currently facing our country and um, it's hitting all of us in different ways. But we wish you nothing but the best of luck this uh, upcoming season and we'll look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. I appreciate you, Joel. Thanks again. Uh, to you and USA Football for having me on, and always love talking with you guys. And hopefully, everyone's out there safe and washing their hands and just doing what we're asked of until this thing, you know, settles down. So, absolutely. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.